Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, March 21st. We begin with a look at the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. We speak with Robert Haig, a fellow at the U of C School of Public Policy and former director of foreign affairs responsible for Ukraine and Russia. Robert brings us details on the latest in talks between the two nations and what peace might look like for the region moving ahead. Next, we examine a different component in the Russian invasion, the war to spread disinformation surrounding the attack. We hear details of how the Russians are using social media platforms and manipulated videos to promote propaganda. We speak with Catherine Hill, Executive Director for Media Smarts. It's a real gem of a local success story. We learn all about Amylite, an organic gemstone which is found in southern Alberta and has just been named the province's official gemstone. And finally, it's Motivational Monday, our weekly segment aimed at helping you achieve your goals and live your best life. This week, we meet Amy Rost, a mom of four, community cultivator, and founder of Pilates Fest North. Will peace talks between Russia and Ukraine bring a resolution to the war in Eastern Europe? And what would a peace agreement look like? With insight, we are joined by Robert Haig, fellow at the U of C School of Public Policy and former director of foreign affairs responsible for Ukraine and Russia. Good morning to you once again, Robert. Good morning. Well, you know, the talks, we've, I'm not even sure which round we're up to now. It seems like there's been, you know, a handful. They're going to be holding more peace talks this week. What would a peace agreement look like, and, and how likely are we, see, are, are we to see an end to this conflict due to these discussions? Well, first of all, I think peace talks, or, or peace talks, I guess, can go on at any time. But a, a peace arrangement usually follows a ceasefire, and we don't seem to be close to that. Um, the other difficulty in all of this, and, and certainly there are talks going on, and I'll speak in a moment about um, uh, Putin's um, message to Erdogan, the uh, the uh, president of, of Turkey, in which he outlined some components of a plan. Yeah. But, you know, you have an imbalance here to start with, where a country uh, like Ukraine has been invaded, co- contrary to all elements of international law, by Russia. And it's, it's really, it's not a case, uh, and you go back in, in history, and in, in even recent history, where there's been fighting on both sides, which is the case here, but not an invasion yeah. like this. It's a totally one-sided arrangement. Um, and, and that is, a, that's a, and we can talk about that in a second, that's a real troublesome aspect to this as to what Russia is demanding or suggesting. Um, last Thursday, um, uh, Putin uh, spoke to Erdogan on the phone, and the Turkish government, particularly Erdogan, has been very uh, Erdogan has been very um, helpful, I think, in trying to resolve this. And there are apparently two categories to a peace deal, according to Putin. Um, the first is, and, and the Turkish uh, spokesperson described this as not too difficult, which is a, a bit of an exaggeration, and that is one that uh, that Ukraine uh, accepts the notion that it will not join NATO. Um, the president uh, has already, the president of Ukraine has already said that, so that's that's sort of a taken. And then there's other elements that are under. Um, uh, Item one, I guess, and that is the protection of the Russian language, um, a disarmament process that Russia says so that Ukraine won't be a, a threat to them. That's a joke. I mean, it's more of a, a Russian guarantee that they won't be a threat. 
um, and then um, and then ending what he calls the uh, nazification of Ukraine, and nobody quite understands what that means. Uh, but I guess it, it can be negotiated. The second element is a face-to-face conversation between the two presidents, and um, and that uh, the president of Ukraine has already accepted. So um, that's a, that, and then Putin goes on to say, "Well, this is what we want." And uh, the first item is uh, to deal with Donbass mm-hmm. uh, and the area in the eastern part of Ukraine, which the Russians, I think, really very much want to have that as a connection between the landmass of Crimea and the Russian landmass. So they would basically take over the area along the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea away from the Ukraines, and that's just a non-starter. Yeah. You know, right at the beginning, that's just not going to be acceptable uh, to Ukraine. And then he goes on. Uh, this is Putin to say, and you, know, you have to uh, admit that Crimea is part of Russia. Um, the spokesperson for uh, er- Erdogan says, "Well, that might be easy because it implicitly already is." But it, these elements uh, and demands on Ukraine are absolutely, I think, off the charts. And uh, so a peace process based on things like this, I don't think are ever going to work on the Ukrainian side. Uh, they totally favor uh, Russia. So we're still in this sort of questionable zone. But the positive thing is that these talks, not at the highest level, that at a uh, next to highest level are ongoing, and the hope is that something will emerge from this. We've got about 45 seconds left here, Robert, but I have to ask you this, you know, as far as the peace talks continuing, we're seeing, you know, the, the, the clash continuing, the Russian invasion and the Ukrainian people. We're hearing, and we heard it in our news just before we had you on here, some folks are saying it's, it's nearing a stalemate status, that the Ukrainian forces and civilians are, are kind of holding their own. How long, in in your opinion, could they continue to hold their own against their Russia? Well, Russia, I think, can overwhelm them just just by numbers. Now, Ukraine is getting a lot of military assistance, not in troops, mm-hmm. but in equipment. And the Americans have given a billion dollars already in that, and and they've promised another eight hundred million. So, if that can get into the country, the um, air to uh, sky rockets and uh, and uh, anti tank. Uh, um, armaments, which they've already received, but if they can get more, particularly so that the the um, Ukrainians can take some control over the sky themselves using equipment that comes from NATO, I think that's a positive step. And we'll have to see if they if they hold themselves. Perhaps there will be a ceasefire at some stage. We're not there yet. Absolutely. We appreciate your time once again for joining us, Robert. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. That is uh, Robert Hagg, a fellow at the School of Public Policy and former director of foreign affairs responsible for Ukraine and Russia. Russia is waging a war of information, if uh, not a disinformation, if you will, alongside the war on the ground in Ukraine with insight into the tactics and effectiveness of this cognitive warfare. We are joined by Catherine Hill, executive director for Media Smarts. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning. So, uh, Catherine, can you give us some examples on how Russia is using social media to manipulate the perception of the war in Ukraine? Sure. So, um, propaganda has been proven to be a really useful tool in any kind of conflict, and that has been going on for decades. Uh, we, you know, we have examples throughout history of that, and uh, it has been proven very useful. It's been proven very successful. 
It it sways popular opinion. It promotes uh, information that isn't true, but that is, uh, you know, the perspective of one of the participants in the conflict. And so certainly Russia has been exposed and and everyone has been uh, well aware of it since uh, Mm mid-February that they've been promoting uh, misinformation. Actually, excuse me, they've been promoting disinformation, which is deliberate false information. So they've created this content. Uh, they put it on social media through various different uh, types of accounts and uh, either through government accounts even through paid individuals who are, uh, that is their job to actually create this false content and get it out there. Uh, and then that information gets amplified as more people engage with it and that's when it becomes misinformation. So examples of that uh, gosh, there's hundreds, if not thousands. There's a, a wonderful website called ukrainefacts.org. Mm-hmm. I suggest people go check that out. And it's a whole network of fact checkers around the globe who started checking uh, across the Internet uh, examples of disinformation. And they've got oh, close to 750 examples right now. So it can be some of the most popular ones that many of us are aware of are there was a video uh, on TikTok of supposedly paratroopers left in the Ukraine. It was completely fabricated and false. It was from 2015, I believe. Mm. There have been actual videos uh, from video games and made to look more realistic and posted into, you know, suggesting that, that there is a, a level of warfare going on that isn't accurate or true information about. There was recently a very... What, what's called a deep fake, which is a video that looked very much like uh, saying that they had uh, reached an agreement and that uh, the war was now over. That was proven to be completely false. That was not true. That was uh, last week. They're daily. They're consistent. They're all over the place. They're representing all kinds of perspectives, uh, but certainly the ones that are, are sponsored and produced by the Russian Eight are those that are going to, of course, be pro-Russia. So I'm, I'm thinking, Catherine, you, you know, you mentioned checking out ukrainefacts.org, important for that personal responsibility. So I'm, I'm thinking that it is super important in that it's fine to see something like this, but then if you are sharing something like this on, for example, your social media, you become a tool of the propaganda, don't you? Exactly. That's, um, you know, the wonderful thing about... Uh, the way the world has changed in terms of information sharing. So it's not news, right? It's information, is that we're all a part of it. It used to be there was a few sources of information, and we all received the same information primarily around the same time. Then the Internet came, and then all of us really become part of a network and a system. We're all broadcasters now. We're all part of this information system. And... Well, that has been incredibly valuable in terms of sharing different perspectives and allowing different voices to participate in telling their stories. It also has come with the price of all kinds of information being available to us. And so now it's up to us as the user and a participant in this system to be good digital citizens, to do our best to not become part of, as you so wonderfully described, you'll become part of the problem and be be used 
and, and, you know, inadvertently share misinformation. None of us want to be fooled. None of us want to look foolish. But it, this stuff is so sophisticated, and it's really hard to tell. So, you know, there are ways that we can turn to experts to help us. It isn't hard. It can be done quickly, and it makes a huge difference. Catherine, it's interesting because, yeah, misinformation, the words, if you will, or, you know, showing an outdated video claiming its current day, that's one thing. But, you know, the technology, and this is a, a term we've heard and we're a little bit more familiar with, the deep fake technology. If you can break some of that stuff down for us, because it is, it's mind-blowing how incredibly real some of these things look. What is deep fake? So what that is, what, what people are referring to when they use that term is something that, uh, is a visual image. Usually it's a, vi- a video, but it can also be a photo. Uh, and the, it's, it's you know, it, it's, uh, what do I want to say? It's deeply fake. It's yeah. so sophisticated. It's so professional. And it's, I mean, there's, there's lousy ones where you can really tell, like, somebody's face has been superimposed over another person's mm-hmm. face. So that's, like, you know, basic, silly, you know, we obviously know it's a joke and it's not real. Uh, and it's it's humorous or it's satire. But then there are some, as the one I, I described earlier, the one with Putin, where uh, it's so sophisticated, it's really hard to tell. We think that we can tell visually by looking at them. There have been wonderful studies done with researchers, uh, you know, just the general population saying, you know, which of these is real, which of yeah. these is real. And we cannot tell. We really cannot tell. You cannot tell by looking. They're so good. You really think it's the person speaking? Uh, you know, they're they're editing the content. They're they're doing all kinds of amazingly sophisticated. You know, and not that difficult to do, quite frankly. It pre- is becoming pretty easy to trick us with the visual images, and so that's why we have to be even more careful about what we believe and then what we promote ourselves, because. You know, our attention our attention is really important. It's, our time is really important. It's something that we choose to spend, right? So I want to spend my time and my attention on things that are real. Yeah. I don't want to spend them on things that people are trying to fake and fool me. Great. Uh, some great points and a great conversation. Thank you so much for your time, Catherine. Oh, my pleasure. Good stuff. Uh, that is uh, Catherine Hill, Executive Director for Media Smarts. You can find out more about what she does at mediasmarts.ca. And again, that website that she gave to, to fact check, to fact check the uh, information you're hearing about the war in Ukraine is ukrainefacts.org. Alberta has a new official emblem. Amylite has been designated as the official gemstone of our province. But what is Amylite and why was it selected? With details, we are joined by David Louis, CEO of Corite. Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good. We're going to paint a picture because we're on the radio here. Can you describe to our listeners what Amylite is and, and, and what it looks like, David? Oh, my goodness. It's such an exciting story. Um, I, I can't express how excited I am uh, with it uh, being recognized as the official gemstone of Alberta. So. I'll try to give you a quick summary of a bit of a history lesson. Uh, it originated all the way back 71 million years ago. So if you can imagine um, squid-like creatures swimming in our Cretaceous oceans and over time settled into Lethbridge. Uh, ammonites, which uh, ammonite is derived from, are found across the world, but yet only in the Bear Paw Formation of southern Alberta that they mineralize and become the rare and colorful gemstone that we know today. So 
uh, as, as a result of tectonic pressure, heat, mineralization, it formed the colorful layers of the gemstone, and which is called amylite. And it was discovered in 1906 by the Geological Survey of Canada. Uh, this, this, the gemstone is not only unique, it's believed to awaken positive energy with its beauty and ancient heritage. And uh, uh, in 1981, amylite was officially designated as a precious gemstone by the World Jewelry Confederation. So it's one of the last gemstones accepted in the past 300 years and amongst the rarest, placing it alongside opal, ruby, sapphire, and emerald. So it's one of a kind, very rare, and a bit, you know, a bit of our history. Sure, yeah, that we should be proud of. David, sure, you're biased, and I get that because you're a huge <laughs> fan. Uh, but to me, it seems kind of like a no-brainer since it's you know super local that, that it would be chosen as a gemstone. Oh, it, it's the <clears throat> it's the best kept secret in town. Um, just in this part of Alberta, southern Alberta, in Lethbridge, just you know south of Lethbridge. That's only this deposit, like in ten square kilometers, wow. that that where uh, where preserved this colorful gemstone, and you can find amulets all over the world. It just does not have the same quality of of the vibrancy of the colors. Okay, you, you, let's get into kind of your business. Uh, you know, it's beautiful. The gem is beautiful. The applications is is it uh, quite uh, vast when it comes to jewelry and accessories? Or oh, the, 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 the benefits of amylite uh, creates a vast array of categories, Any, anywhere from, you know, we have the amylite fossil itself, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, and then, you know, over time in mining, it, the amylite chips from the, uh, the gemstone, we, we create jewelry, we keep collectibles, and we're, fr- and we're found uh, around, amongst 28 different countries around the world. Um, you know, in retail, in tourism, um, and obviously online, that we've gone online to sell Amlite. Good stuff. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good uh, time for you, and uh, we appreciate you telling us more about Amlite. Thank you so much, sir. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. This is David Louie. He is the CEO of Corite. This is Motivational Monday, a day to get some motivation and move you through the days ahead. Today we have the chance to meet Amy Rost, a mom of four, including a son with special needs and founder of Pilates Fest North. Good morning to you, Amy. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Andy. Thank you for having me. Good, good to have you with us here. Let's talk about your story. First of all, tell us about who you are. So I'm um, a Pilates teacher. I've got a little home studio in Cochrane, Alberta. Um, I left my corporate job about six years ago. Um, once my son was diagnosed with a rare degenerative neuromuscular disease and I was looking to find some better balance in my life. And that's what led me to Pilates and my passion. And from there, just continued to build my studio, but also really bring a community together that really hadn't been before. And that's where I am today. Well, we can talk and discuss the power of Pilates and what that means to you and, and, and what that does for your life and those around you who, who practice. But let's take it back a bit between, you know, leaving your job, uh, you know, yeah. perhaps maybe a safety net into kind of the unknown. What was that like? What did people around you say and what was going through your mind? Well, I knew that I knew I needed a change. I knew that um, I couldn't keep going, taking care of 
four kids and then one who had considerable more needs um, every day that I, I needed I needed to change. I think lots of people thought I was crazy. <laughs> but for me, Pilates literally saved me. My I found Pilates um, when my body was, you know, worn down and tired after four kids. And it was the first time that I felt like, wow, if this is how I can move to help reduce stress, help to... Um, you know, just help me feel better. My previous job is I worked in a spine clinic, so I also knew that there was another side of this, that this would maybe a powerful tool for others struggling with chronic pain and other um, issues that it took me to that place where, you know what, I wonder if I could teach this. I wonder if I could do this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I literally, I jumped right in. <laughs> so, and that tends to be my, my style is. I lead with my heart and then my yeah. brain catches up after <laughs> So, yeah, so we've we've covered a, a little bit of ground now when it comes to family, your background, and then of course your your business and your focus in the Pilates world. Uh, but also, yeah. let's talk about community. What does the word community mean to you, and why is it important? Um, community is so important, and I think you know, to me, it means being surrounded by like-minded people who are there to support you and encourage you, and who are there when you need help and. I think, um, the, like I said, the last two years has really changed how we are, how we are in community, mm-hmm. and we just aren't wired to be alone. We really are meant to be with one another, and so that's that's to me what community means, and I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. And it can mean, and so community can occur in so many different ways. It can be, you know, I see community happen in my own studio and mat classes. I've got a men's class. They come together for community in a way that we might not always think that is part of what we do, but community is part of what we facilitate every day through Pilates and movement. All right. So it's interesting because we ask guests who join us on Motivational Monday to offer up some tips through their, whether they're an author or, uh, you know, business owner, but more so just through their experience. And I know that you you maybe can't change people's lives in a few minutes. we got just a few left here. I I want to go through because this might get the ball rolling for some. Let's start with your, uh, yeah, out of the three motivational tips, move every day. Explain that one to us. Move every day. We're meant to move. Our bodies are meant to move. And that doesn't need to mean like run a marathon. Get up, move your body every day, and every movement counts. Um, And not just move your body, but move your mind, challenge your mind, challenge your business, challenge challenge yourself, um, and give yourself a little grace. I think that's the big one right now. Everyone's tired, and just those small little steps that we can take every day, it really does just help us feel better overall. All right. From move every day to find your people. You talked about community. Yeah. Uh, can you define finding your people in that process? Oh, my gosh. You want to surround yourself with those people who want to see you succeed, that want to help you raise your vibration to be your best self. And you, those need to be positive, supportive, and an encouraging community. And I think now is a hard time to find your people as we sort of re-enter back in. We're not really sure where how to do it, but find those people we we are life is so much easier when you're surrounded by those who can help pick you up that's that's a very good point we can all agree on that one number (laughs) number three is something that i can agree on and that is in one word celebrate absolutely we don't celebrate enough in our everyday life and you know i say find that spark deep within you and illuminate yourself through celebration be it the big wins be it the small wins 
Um, all of those help shift our mindset to see joy in our everyday moments. And I think it loops back really nicely to find your people. Let those people help you celebrate. Let them help you celebrate. Yeah, so they all kind of come together, you know. Uh, the, those the three motivational tips. I appreciate that. And and uh, before we let you go, it's it's a chance to give a plug. We mentioned yeah. your your love for Pilates, and I'm going to direct yeah. people to arcarcpilates.ca. That's and, right. And uh, Pilates Fest North. I understand it was supposed to be taking place next month, but just bumped back a little further. No, it was supposed to happen in April 2020. Oh, way back when. Okay. Yeah, and then it actually happened in um, the first one happened in November of 2021. We were able to bring everyone together through in the middle of a pandemic the next one will happen 2023 okay and, and what pe uh, can people expect from that we you know what we really created a uh, uh, an event that was different than our industry had ever seen before we brought together our indigenous community we brought together diversity to talk about able bodies disabled bodies and we're going to continue to build on that and really just build our community because Canada is a huge country where I had no idea what the teachers in, you know, Eastern Quebec are doing. And it was an opportunity for us to do it together in our own country, which hadn't been done before. And it was really important for me to have it in Calgary to support, you know, our hometown. Good stuff. Thank you so much for your time. Have a, have a great rest of your day, Amy, and a great week. Thank, thank you, Andy. That is Amy Rost, mom of four, community cultivator and founder of Pilates Fest North. You can find out more about what she does at arcpilates.ca. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.